0: Do you think it's safe to ask them? Hear me. All you hosts gathered here. Kill everyone now. Condone first-degree murder. Advocate
1: cannibalism. Eat shit.
0: Well, I think we're about ready.
1: Quiet, everyone. Filth are my politics. Filth
0: is my life.
1: From the whispers of the damned, deep within the bowels of hell, Welcome to Astro Radio Z.
2: Hello Astro Zombies and welcome to 2023 here on Astro Radio Z. We're going to continue this episode, the journey through my VHS collection, starting with the 1990 full moon movie Shadow Zone. And then we're going to be talking about the 1989 Lorenzo Lamas action movie Snake Eater. Then at the very ass end of this episode, we're going to change it up a little bit per what we've been doing the last few episodes. And because it's the year end episode or the beginning of, you know, 2023, however you want to look at it, we're going to go through a real brief kind of like best of segment where I'm going to give you the top 10 movies that I had watched last year and some albums I think you guys should check out. So stick around for all that nonsense. But until then, let's listen to a trailer for Shadow Zone.
0: Astro Radio Z.
1: Welcome to Project Shadow Zone, Captain Heckart. In the dark of a lifeless sleep. By taking subjects beyond normal levels of dream state sleep. A research team... We
0: discovered that a parallel dimension exists.
1: ...is exploring the world beyond dreams. There's something I think you should see. What is it? I oh, don't know. Someone's trying to gain entry to the project. It's a shadowy realm where science ends.
0: This is very dangerous. It's coming out of the darkness. Do something! I can't. Something's
1: on the right to boomerang. Yeah. Get Where your darkest fears are given life.
0: It can assume the physical nature of human thought.
1: Become any size, any shape it wants. It
0: became what Kidwell was looking for.
1: Where the distance between sleep and death.
0: There's no way out.
1: Is just a nightmare away. John
2: Weatherly, Shadow Zone. Shadow Zone made in 1990 is one of those box covers that you remember. And I'm speaking towards, obviously, my geeks out there. I'm speaking towards my old Astro Zombies that were people that went to video stores and just scoured over every last single box that was on the shelf. And Shadow Zone in 1990 was one of those you saw at every fucking video store. Because it has an amazingly rad fucking cover. This is one of those covers where it looks like you have a naked lady in a cryo sleep pod with a mutant wearing a lab coat with electricity emanating off of it, jumping out of a wall or a parallel dimension to try and do whatever nefarious things It's going to do. And the tagline on the front is on the dark side of dreams, a new terror takes shape. I remember this thing for some reason. I didn't pick this one up to ever watch, even though the cover is fucking rad. And I'll tell you this I was renting every single last fucking full moon movie that was on the goddamn shelves at that time. I mean, this is the heyday of full moon pictures with, you know, their Paramount connection where they were putting out all those puppet master movies the subspecies movies you know the heyday of fucking full moon features this one in particular which shocks me as to why i never like picked this one up maybe i was just completely oblivious to the fact that this was directed by j.s cardone who is the director of not only prom night but the stepfather and then he would go on to make crash and burn another fucking full moon movie that you guys should all be aware of and the forsaken the marksman the covenant i mean he made a ton of fucking shitty ass movies i would have loved this back in the day and i kind of kicked myself for not watching this this was uh an enjoyable little movie now was it perfect i don't think it was absolutely perfect but in the scope of like full moon movies, this fits right in there. I mean, it looked decent. It had, uh, uh, you know, fairly good special effects when you fucking finally saw them, and uh, it had had some nudity, folks. But let's not get too ahead of ourselves yet. Um, Shadow Zone. If I'm gonna read the back of the box as we always do here on uh, Astro Radio Z, the back of the VHS box says. There's no escaping the shadow zone. While there, even thoughts can betray you. That's the lesson learned too late by NASA hypersleep researchers. They've broken the boundaries of dream sleep, unveiling a parallel dimension. And through that dimension comes an alien invader unlike anything you've seen before. It's fiendish, pervasive, cunning, and it takes the shape of each person's most morbid fear. David B. Croft, from Falcon's Crest, and Oscar winner Louise Fletcher, from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, confront an intruder of unrelenting ferocity in Shadow Zone, a headlong plunge into a new dimension of unparalleled terror. Now, how many times could you say parallel in the back, <laughs> in the back of a box? <laughs> that Shadow Zone. Shadow Zone is definitely one of those movies that I think... Works more as a suspense piece and less as a monster movie as it I clearly is like marketed on the cover, as I'd said before with this mutant on the cover as some sort of monster flick it barely one has any monsters in it. It's mostly people stuck in a lab wandering around the halls of a lab. While some elusive being that they can't see is stalking and killing them one by one. Now, for the first like 40 minutes of this movie, I would say I was balls deep. I thought it was just your classic looking and sounding and, uh, casted full moon movie. And it, those of you that are big time full moon fans, you'll know what I'm talking about. It just had a bit for like B grade movies had a bit of class to it. And obviously it said before Louise fletcher's in this thing. They didn't even mention James Hong is in this thing. So as Miguel Nunez, our favorite shitbox singer, um, f- fuck, this thing was loaded with a bunch of decent character actors that brought it. I mean, Mind you, the lead actor, the dude from Falcon Crest, is as milk toast and white bread as you possibly You could interchange this dude with anybody. Literally anybody could have came in and it wouldn't have changed a goddamn thing. He was a blank slate. So I mean, if if that doesn't bother you that your main lead is a complete blank slate, white wall, then so be it. But what really brought me in was that they played on suspense in this movie and i i love that fact because i wasn't really ex- i was expecting a cheap ass you know a little monster movie here but it definitely wasn't the case let's get to the good the bads and the and the what the fucks of this movie and uh right off the bat i gotta say there is one of the characters in this because uh the the main plot is this army dude shows up to a, a secret lab And the army guy is really brought there in order to investigate a possible murder or disappearance of bodies that have happened that have come up. And the government wants to know where all its money's going toward with it, with this uh, experiment that they have going on. And once they get down there, our lead army dude essentially demands that they run an experiment and a test to show him the progress they've made with this shadow zone. Project the Shadow Zone isn't the project's name, but it's essentially you know this this experiment to try and get uh, people into such a deep sleep that they can slow down their bodily processes for space travel. That's essentially what the whole experiment that they're trying to run underground is. It's it's a government trying to figure out how to manipulate bodies to slow down their uh you know metabolisms to to handle deep space travel and um upon forcing them to to do this they end up opening a parallel dimension through this man's mind And this guy that's that's caught in one of these cryo sleep chambers head explodes gloriously. It's fucking amazing and uh, unleashes this dimensional being that starts tormenting every single last person in there. And one of the characters I thought was hilarious right off the bat, and I love this in every single movie that I ever watch, is they got a good old boy that doesn't believe in smart guys and girls and doesn't like anything he can't see. And so we got a good old boy that calls scientists eggheads right off the bat in the first five minutes. And at that point, I'm like, all right, we got our dude that's going to call people nerds. I dig it. (laughs) Why do I dig it? Because I think it's fucking dumb. (laughs) I think it's fucking so dumb when I see somebody make fun of someone for being smart. That is perhaps the dumbest fucking thing you could ever fucking tease someone about outside of obvious things like race and sexual orientation teasing someone because they're smart oh man is that the smallest dick energy on the face of the planet huh right (laughs) (laughs) that shit made me laugh real fucking hard because we know right off the bat we don't gotta pay attention to this guy he's gonna fucking eat shit fairly soon just set the timer As I had said before, there's a great exploding head gimmick. Um, There's some solid gore effects through this movie when they uh, present themselves. For the most part, unfortunately, and I don't want to get ahead of myself here into the bad, is that this is one of those movies where less is shown and more is inferred it's one of those where a lot of things happen off screen and you're given hints of things because it's all supposed to be this creature is invading their minds and showing them their worst fears and uh you you see some of that materialized in the flesh um but for the most part it's all just like people wandering around halls and one by one they're killed off very I, i'd wonder if there was like a, a harder cut to this movie at some point because some of it feels like it's it's a bit truncated down like it's edited a little bit but the the tone of the movie in general is just a little more understated than you would want to see with this thing because it's one of these movies where the creature could be anything you would think they go way off the deep end right and they do in some respects. I mean, the, the main guy at the very end, uh, when they, it finally, like spoilers. This is a warning. Thank you. When the creature at the very end materializes in the flesh and, and, and kind of looks like a low rent Frank from he- a Hellraiser. Some of the effects are kind of cool. But for the most part, you can tell the budget was mostly spent on the actors that they brought in that i had talked about before so the 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 sets all fairly cheap looking it it, per you know typical full moon type gimmicks here where you have what you have we're going to light it in a way and thankfully at that time they were shooting on film and the softness of that and the look of the film you know really did favors to the cheapness of the production and the actors are are decent enough that you don't really sit and pay attention to things like really cheap sets and a score that never fucking shuts up and sounds like something that you'd prefer not to hear. You know, I know my boy like Dan- Daniel, Daniel would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a that's a goddamn <laughs> that's a goddamn band joint. <laughs> it's not very good. <laughs> for all of all of you swinging dudes and swinging ladies out there, there's hanging dong in this movie. So if you you're into that kind of thing, this is an equal opportunity nudist movie where you have two people that are stuck in these cryo sleep chambers. They're both naked as the day they were born. The lady's beautiful and the dude is just hanging dong. So if you're into that kind of thing, You got it here in fucking shadow zone. And the movie, as I said before, shot well, has decent acting with pedigree and is damn suspenseful, at least for the first, I would say, 40, 50 minutes of this movie. It had me. I was really into this thing, and I was a little disappointed by and let's go into the bad, like I said, it's, there's a shoddy mess of the sets and the score and the looseness of some of the direction. It feels like, you know, your typical 80s full moon picture where there are moments most of the actors elevate the script beyond what it obviously is. But you can't help for the fact that these look like reused sets from other cheapo sci-fi movies. If you can get past that shit, you'll have a good time with this one. Uh, the soundtrack, as, as I said before, it really makes this thing feel cheaper than it needs to feel, unfortunately. It, and it, this type of score worked better for the sillier kind of like little monster movie things that, you know, Full Moon Pictures would make like Puppet Master and that kind of thing. But for this movie, that's supposed to be kind of a darker edged, sci-fi horror movie it the the twinkling little keyboard flourishes that happen just don't fit and it makes it feel cheap where ominous like long tones in the soundtrack probably would have you know went a lot further towards instilling dread the kind of dread that I think they were going for with this movie because it's so methodically paced and it's so quiet for a lot of it, where you're hanging out with characters that are wandering around vast hallways that that are you know very noirishly lit, that this the the score just kind of belies the the tonality of the visuals, and it's on it's really unfortunate. And another thing that it starts to hinder it after a while, even though I said you know this movie is patient and it takes its time and it's built on suspense, it's really slow and. It's mostly people talking and things happening off screen, as I had said before. So if that isn't your kind of thing, you might want to just pass on Shadow Zone because this is not a movie for impatient people when it comes to horror movies. If you don't mind a little suspense, a little dread, a little build up. There's some payoffs here with this movie, and a couple of them are fairly silly. Like there's this one part spoilers. This is a warning. Thank you. Where this lady one of their her big fears are rats, and she's constantly killing off rats, and this huge rat busts through a fucking wall. <laughs> it's fucking silly it's really it looks like a big huge ass mutant rat from a trauma movie or some shit, and I loved it it was fucking great, really good stuff. I gotta say even with you know things like i just said of the mutant rat and sometimes like there's a materialization of the entity eventually the movie never pulls through you know it 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 just it builds and builds and builds <clears throat> and i don't feel like it it like resolves itself in a very satisfying way which you know i don't think that that makes the movie ultimately pointless to watch i just was a little disappointed by it i was just like oh man this could have been a little bit more you guys should, could have built this instead of just m- turning the final guy into Roundy's frank from hellraiser you know i just didn't think that was that was worth all the build-up that we had made for this entity that was terrorizing all these scientists and these military guys I was I was hoping for more and it just never did. And as I had said before, my last bad for Shadow Zone is the fact that the the lead actor is as white bread and white as white bread comes. You could change that guy out for fucking anybody, literally fucking anybody. And it would not fucking matter. Thankfully, though, you have Miguel Nunez in this movie and he fucking works his ass off. Every step of the way. And if you're a fan of his stuff and like return of the living dead and Friday Thirteen Part five and millions of other movies that he's been in, he's just as good here. He's always wonderful. I love seeing that guy and stuff. And uh, it disappoints me when the movie doesn't live up to him. <laughs> he, it could have been so much better, but as I said before, shadow zones, not a total waste of time. I, I would give it a recommend. Let's go to our what the Fox at the very end. Uh, There is a sequence where a dude literally unloads like 70 shotgun shells without reloading. You know, those scenes where you got a guy with an obvious two shell pump shotgun just fucking unloading 70 shells all around him. And uh, they don't give a fuck because this is a movie, you know? When you have any weapon, especially a shotgun, has very limited ammo inside of it that you could put, They just whatever. Just going to shoot for like 10 minutes straight and never reload. <laughs> so that's one of those. Man, this is getting a little ridiculous. <laughs> so that's Shadow Zone. Shadow Zone, I would give a recommend if you're a full moon fan. If you're a fan of laboratory thriller slash horror movies, this is a fairly decent one. If you're looking for a mile a minute monster flick that some full moon movies were, this isn't one of them. Uh this is way more methodically paced. So, let's see if Mr. Lorenzo Lamis can do us a little better, which man, I I got to be honest, I'm not <laughs> super hopeful for in his action movie called Snake Eater next.
1: You are listening to Astro Radio Z. The city streets are a crime-infested jungle where one undercover cop plays by his own rules. Lorenzo Lamas is Snake Eater, a cop who makes sure the bad guys stick around. Snake Eater, an ex-marine, now a cop, who plays dirty.
0: That's
1: not what I call talking. This is what
0: I call tying me up. You're a crispy cockroach killer. this thing stop swinging? You're dying, man. Help! This guy's crazy!
1: And for relaxation, he drops in on his favorite hangout to keep around a few ideas with the boys. He's not busting heads he's breaking hearts.
0: The underwear, soldier. What do you
1: think, I'm gonna hide a
0: wire in my underwear?
1: Honey, it looks like you got the whole radio station in there. No! But when his family is attacked, he becomes a one-man justice squad. Once again, he's Snake Eater, the ultimate fighting machine on a mission of vengeance. A master of guerrilla tactics. Uh! Lorenzo Lamas, snaky. here. To him, America is just another jungle.
2: The rabbit holes this podcast sends me down just astounds me from time to time. I had no idea walking into our second film today, Snake Eater, directed by George Erschbommer. That's a a mouthful. And yeah, I probably slaughtered that, but tough shit is what it is. I didn't know that I was walking into a part one of a trilogy of Snake Eater films, (laughs) all starring Lorenzo Lamas, which... Our tie today between the two films is that Lorenzo Lamas also starred in Falcon's Crest. How did we know this? I didn't know. I just looked at the back of the box while I was watching this one, and uh, there it says right here, Lorenzo Lamas, Falcon Crest. I had no fucking idea. That's before my time. I didn't watch any fucking Falcon Crest in the goddamn 80s. I had no fucking clue, but there you go. This is uh, put out by Media Entertainment. So this movie in particular was not only just a a surprise upon finding out it was a trilogy and that we had an actual tie between the two films we were talking about today. This perhaps may have been the best movie we've watched in these three episodes yet. (laughs) And I mean, don't get your uh, like, don't put this on a pencil just yet as like some piece of grand cinema. This is what I wanted. Snake Eater is what I wanted out of Fist Fighter. That first episode. Uh, This is full disclosure. And I think at this point, folks, you know what my penchant is when it comes to action movies and the kind of things that I like. I was having this discussion with my partner uh, like a week or so ago because we are she had never seen Bloodsport. So, of course, I had to rectify that situation. I can't be with somebody who's never seen Bloodsport. I can't that we don't speak the same language. We need to rectify that situation. And it was. And then we were talking about, you know, action films. And I am not a, a person that likes overtly serious action films. They don't do it for me. I think we had talked about that on what episode was that? I don't know if it was here on Astro Radio Z or if it was on uh, my Patreon podcast, uh, Worst Movies Ever. But super serious, machismo-filled, masculine, hard-on action movies that are nothing but, like, wish fulfillment dreams for for yoked out roided dudes just do nothing for me i i could give a shit about them i don't connect with them i like my action movies dumb and goofy as fuck and uh <laughs> snake eater <laughs> Maybe one of the dumbest fucking things I've ever watched in my entire life. And holy shit, was it a goddamn treat to sit and watch this fucking gimmick? Now, out of everybody in this movie, the only name I knew of anybody and only actor I knew of anybody in this movie was Lorenzo Lamas. The rest of the cast is is basically new to me Um, so i won't really be speaking too much about them but this is your typical you know latter day rambo clone that's what snake eater is there isn't much to this gimmick as we always do here on uh, these VHS episodes, I'm going to read you the box, uh, the, at least the box that I have for this one on the front. It's all blue, and it looks, it appears that Lorenzo Lamas is shirtless, holding a gun next to his face on the cover, and it says, as dirty as dirty Harry, as dangerous as deliverance. That's a weird tagline, isn't it? It's really fucking weird. This movie does have a lot of ties to Deliverance, but we'll get to that in a second. Here's the synopsis we have on the back of the box. Lorenzo Lamas in Snake Eater. Junior is a big man with a big appetite for violence. A backwoods behemoth who loves murder, arson, rape, and torture. All in all, Junior is a real snake. And a snake eater is coming to get him. Lorenzo Lamas... From Falcon's Crest, stars as the Snake Eater, a former member of the crack Marine Search and Destroy Unit, known by that name. Now he's a cop with a personal and deadly mission. Search out and destroy Junior, the consciousless killer who murdered his parents and kidnapped his sister. Junior has a whole swamp full of vicious kin on his side. All the Snake Eater has are the guts and savvy of a battle hardened soldier. And that's all he needs. Made in 1989, Snake Eater is as fucking trite and cliche an action movie as you're going to come by. You'll guess every fucking beat of it, every inch, every second, every frame of it. And holy shit, the thing that will get you about this movie is that this script must have been written by somebody so fucking drunk that they just did not care one iota about anything that happened <laughs> how sequences events like correlate to each other how like how people even talk to each other there's no civil discourse in this movie um this this movie's overtly horny for some reason <laughs> it's sneak eater lorenzo llamas who's supposed to be this special ops like marine can't fight worth a shit (laughs) he's constantly getting his ass handed to him left and right snake eater oh my god it's it's just fucking it's delightful it's it's stupid brainless just goddamn randy beyond belief and silly i absolutely this has been the biggest treat of any movie that we have watched here up until this point on these Astro Radio ZVHS episodes. And uh, this gets my highest recommendation so far. So let's get to uh, the good, the bad and the what the fucks of Snake Eater, which is your basic everyday go to shit. A a guy with a checkered past with the, the military has his family kidnapped by a bunch of backwoods fucking like rapist rednecks. And he must go find them Rambo style and kill them off and save his sister. That is essentially the, the plot of our movie here. And uh, what was good about Snake Eater? <laughs> the, the script is fucking goofy. It It's it just it, it, there's nothing about this, even though the plot is as fucking tired as anything you would find on like a made for TV movie um, or any, you know, b-grade action movie you would pick up or watch on cable during the day on tv it there are things about it that just like what were you thinking what the fuck is going on there's a the opening sequence of this movie that the opening and the closing there's like a bookend to the actual story that's happening in this movie where uh snake eater who's whose name is soldier Lorenzo Lamas is, only goes by anybody only calls him soldier at any point, including his sister at one point when spoilers. This is a warning. Thank you. This isn't really a spoiler because, I mean, you know he's going to save his sister. But when he saves his sister, his sister calls him soldier. What? <laughs> That's his birth name is soldier, obviously, obviously. But anyways, um, <clears throat> when soldier is on like these stakeouts because he's a cop, he's that, you know, what was what was Mel Gibson's name in uh, Lethal Weapon movies? He's he's basically Mel Gibson from Lethal Weapon, just a guy that doesn't give a fuck anymore. You know, he, he's a cop because what else is he going to really do? He has nothing else in life to really look forward to or like do. Nobody would give him a job doing anything else other than fucking up bad guys. So there's these out sequences and uh, this co- there's a, two bumbling ass cops in a car while, you know, soldiers inside doing the actual stakeout wired up for like a drug bust. And one of the two cops, and this is a reoccurring gag for some unknown reason, has been in there so long that he has to piss in a styrofoam cup, and both times, both times, a bum walks by asking for change to get coffee, and the cop hands the bum a glass full of piss, and the bum takes it and drinks it. What... (laughs) Somebody thought that was a good gag because they did it twice in this goddamn movie. And uh, that, that's only the the tip of the iceberg here. There's a sequence where a bunch of rednecks lick a photo and tell Lorenzo Lamas that they like a good piece of ass in reference to his sister that he's inquiring about. That uh, seems like a good idea. And uh, there's one point where Lorenzo Lamas is like in, a, in the middle of a fight and this old time, uh, this old biker that he's befriended. Suddenly out of nowhere drives the bike at the bad guys that Lorenzo Lamas is fighting with and drives it clear off the dock and flies in the air about 40 feet. It is just fucking where is this coming from? It makes no fucking sense. The bulk of this movie is a wannabe deliverance clone, and uh while it's randy and said it does things that you know you wouldn't expect, there's really no nudity other than the opening sequence where uh, Lorenzo Lamas and this beautiful lady decide to strip down to make sure there's no wires present. Other than that, there's really no nudity, but it is kind of mean-spirited in a way. Like the sex in this movie is very mean-spirited, but there's really no nudity in it. So, I mean, you don't have to worry about that. Every last character is so fucking stereotyped. To the max and portrayed in such an awful way because they're just like terrible actors. Most of these are just terrible non actors that, that it, it all comes off as camp, like absolute extreme camp. And we got here, here's the the your typical stereotypes. You got you got your cops, you got your bikers, you got your rednecks, and as I said before, Lorenzo Lamas' his name is Soldier. So they they really couldn't, like, bend their brain a little bit to come up with anything, you know, out of the ordinary here. This is all so tired and worn down. But uh, each of these sets of people are so I love the fact that they did this with these stupid movies, with these stupid action movies. There's something about when when things are so stereotypical, you can turn your brain off. And when they are pushed to the max. Like there's a sequence where uh, Lorenzo Lamas it goes to a, a fucking biker bar and he does nothing but getting fights the entire time and all of the bikers just sit and gla- glare at him the entire time and just want to fight because that's all bikers do, right? They just want to get in bar fights all the fucking time. There, I mean, he he not only takes on a guy that uh, pulls other people's teeth out and has a necklace with teeth on it there after he takes out the guys, one of the guys teeth, another guy shows up almost like this is a Kung Fu sequence. Uh, there is a guy that uh, <laughs> I basically, you know, named Ronnie James Kung Fu who is a, a biker who just starts doing Kung Fu moves and Lorenzo Lamas throws a fucking beer bottle at his balls and knocks him out. That's what we're dealing with here, folks. As I was saying before, there's an opening sequence where he's stripping down with this beautiful lady and uh, they get to the underwear section of the strip down because, you know, she's trying to see to make sure that he doesn't have like a, a wire on him. And she looks down as he's pulling his pants down. Of course, the camera immediately hits his chiseled, bronzed, hairy abs and chest. I mean, glistening, hairy abs and chest (laughs) with a huge fucking belt buckle that has a snake on it. Of course, all of these movies, we should start a checklist because all of these movies with these characters have to have a big belt buckle that is basically the symbol of whatever their character is. I mean, we had Rhino Reinhardt obviously, had that uh belt buckle, and now we have fucking soldier here. Uh <laughs> no, it wasn't Rhino Reinhardt. That was CJ Thunderbird with the with the bird. That's right. Rhino Reinhardt was the bad guy in Fist Fighter. My mistake. But here, you know, Lorenzo Lamas has a fucking snake on his belt buckle. But anyways she's she looks down at his abs because you can't the camera goes right there and she looks at him and goes looks like you have a whole radio station down there would this be an action movie if we didn't make reference to the hero having an enormous package I don't think so (laughs) every single time Lorenzo Lamus gets in a fight in this fucking movie he gets his ass whooped and tied up and he he escapes somehow um it's it's hilarious. I like seeing these action movies where the guy doesn't nec- he can't necessarily just like brawn his way out of everything so there's something about Lorenzo Lamus in this movie that's pretty fucking charming and i I enjoy it even though Jesus Christ this movie's just a damn shit show it's it, it's full of shitty Rambo traps. All of the deaths that happen in this movie are fucking real dumb and shittily choreographed. Uh, there's a montage, like a Rambo montage, where he shaves his face, his, you know, four o'clock shadow with a fucking like a big ass Rambo Bowie knife. It's like the size of his fucking arm. And, uh, constantly we are reminded that he has a belt buckle with a snake on it so that's all the goods that i have for snake eater i mean it's hilarious if i was going to say anything good to to hook line and sinker you guys in is that this is a goofy ass fucking movie with really stupid goofy stereotypes just littered everywhere people are going to say stupid shit do stupider shit and there are explosions so there you go um the bads what is it with these like late 80s, early 90s action movies and a marimba soundtrack? I've never quite figured this out. Where did this come from? Why is this a thing? If Astro Zombies, I put this out to you. If you have any idea of why this is a thing, please email me at astroradiozpodcast at gmail.com. I have no fucking idea what the deal is with these 80s and 90s action movies with marimba soundtracks. Makes no fucking sense to me. Junior, who is the big bad of this movie in the beginning, surprises Lorenzo Lamas's dad when they're, he's doing the initial kidnapping by shoving a rubber fish down his throat. And it is shot so horribly. You have no fucking clue what's going on. Just terrible. Like this movie in general is shot OK, but there are sequences that make no sense in the editor I don't think knew what to do either there's another sequence later on where um, Lorenzo Lamas is is traveling on his motorcycle to get to the site where he thinks that his sister is being held and it is a long montage where he's riding his motorcycle the camera pans down to the shadow of the motorcycle then cuts back to the same shot of him riding the motorcycle then it pans down to the wheels of the motorcycle then cuts back to the same shot of the motorcycle you you see how fucking stupid that is <laughs> like they had no footage they had to figure out what the fuck to do to to make this stretch this thing out to 90 minutes because it's barely like if you got rid of the two bookends of this movie with the, the two stakeouts this movie wouldn't be any more than like maybe an hour long maybe an hour long There's not much to the story. There's not much to uh, anything that goes on. The editing is sloppy. Some of the audio is mixed so horribly. The scene I told you about in the bar where he's having all these fights with these various bikers, there's a couple guys at the bar, like bikers at the bar that are talking and you can't hear a word they're saying. Not a single thing. You have no fucking clue what they're saying because the mix is so horrible just absolutely atrocious uh the kidnap there's a kidnapping scene as i told you before where they kidnap uh, lorenzo a uh, folks and sister and and kill off the folks uh it just goes on forever for no reason whatsoever <clears throat> there's an extended sequence of the mom just getting horribly talked to and having her face melted in a in a pot like for no reason whatsoever the movie, as I had said before, um, has a lot is is pretty randy and pretty horny. Um, It's as male gazey as a movie possibly could get. Women are little more than objects to oogle and fuck in this movie. Every single time a woman is introduced, she's introduced as a sexual object. We see we make sure we see she has tits and she has an ass and she makes sure that she goes up And lets the guy know, mostly Lorenzo Llamas, that she's into him. Except for our lead. Like, the the lead uh, love interest doesn't do that. But for the most part, she's also kind of objectified throughout this movie. So, there's another thing to put alongside belt buckles in 80s and 90s action movies, at least the B-grade kind, is the objectification of women. It is consistent. Through all of these movies. So there is a a goofy ass scene where the old biker guy that that helped soldier out at the dock gets mauled by what we think is a bear, but it's Junior dressed up as a bear and it's shot horribly, it's confusing, and it's just fucking dumb. There's so much dumb shit that happens in this movie. Um, and then the dumbest part of it all and i'm sorry to do this two episodes in a row to you guys snake eater has all i gotta admit i thought i i had hit on the worst theme song ever last episode i was fucking wrong listen to this thing
0: In a land of confusion, no one's ready to face If it's love that you're after, then you're in the wrong place, baby Soldiers
2: The best part of that whole thing is when I found it on YouTube that was written by Brian Wild. in the comments for this, John Masari writes five months ago, I wrote this song with Brian and the, the greatest response to this is <laughs> two responses down. Kyle Gordon responds. I would not admit that in public. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking kill me. So the what the fucks for Snake Eater, uh, as you can tell, the tone of this thing is just literally all over the place. One scene, it's goofy. Then it gets super dark and sexual. Uh, There's the bar fight. There's the dock fight. There's extended torture scenes. It's really fucking horny for some unknown reason. Um, So it's. from scene to scene, I and that might be some of the joy of it is you don't quite. Even though you know the un, you understand what the plot is, what the resolution's going to be, you understand early on he's going to win, he's gonna he's going to get his sister, and all these guys are going to be killed. You know that there, it's just inevitability. Um, you just don't realize how weird this fucking movie is and how stupid the things that the people are going to say are. So it's just the tone is all over. That's one of the like the biggest what the fuck. And then the the my only other what the fuck was the old timer biker that he befriends at the marina um, for some reason after Lorenzo Lamas gets his ass kicked by a bunch of fucking rednecks and he's passed out, takes Lorenzo Lamas's Harley and converts it into a jet ski. What the fuck? Like, it is the weirdest, most awkward looking thing I'd ever seen. And Lorenzo Lamas, obviously, is looking at it going, what the fuck is this shit? And the old timer's like, oh, you'll be thanking me. You'll be thanking me. And he looks like a fucking idiot driving it out of the goddamn marina. It's fucking stupid. It's goddamn fucking stupid. But having said that, yeah, Snake Eater is fucking stupid. But it's only part one of three Snake Eater movies. So obviously, this thing did fucking gangbusters on video. That's what I got to say. So at some point, we got to find the other two Snake Eater movies. From what I can see, we have Snake Eater 2, the drug buster made in 1991. And then Snake Eater 3, His Law, made in 1992. They quick fired these things off with a fucking goddamn quickness. So hopefully down the road, we'll be able to find those other two. And we'll we'll watch the rest of the Snake Eater series, because if it's anything like this first one, man, I'm fucking all about it. I'm about about it. So that's it. That's our two movies today. We got we got two movies that I recommend. I love this. I like catching, you know, stuff out of just blind choosing and actually getting decent fucking shit. So awesome. Fucking Snake Eater and Shadow Zone. Thumbs up from this guy. So let's take a short break and we come back. I'm going to rifle off some stuff that I watched in 2022 that came out that I, I think you guys should probably check out. So stick around.
0: This is Astro Radio Z, and we love talking about movies with you. If you are looking for more episodes and want to become part of the show, go to patreon.com forward slash. Astro Radio Z and become a monthly subscriber to have access to 100 plus bonus episodes of content. Jump in. Make Astro Radio Z yours and become a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com forward slash Astro Radio Z.
2: Welcome back. Uh, This last section of the show, which will round out the rest of the show, is something I don't do very often. I haven't done it the last few years. I remember when we first started up Astro Radio Z all those years ago, I was doing, you know, year-end top five or top ten lists or whatever, of uh, movies that, you know, I'd watched during that year. And the year of 2022 is kind of a weird year. I think we kind of a few episodes back done some, you know, house cleaning and, and discussed uh, that it was just a really off year. Um, The last year and a half or so, I would say probably it was for me. So I for the first half of this year, I didn't really watch a, a real lot of movies. I didn't have the urge. Uh, my brain wasn't in a place where sitting down and watching anything for entertainment was doing it for me. So I, I tended to when I, and I apologize for the yawn there. I I tended to watch comfort food movies. You know what I mean? And as my year started getting better and I started kind of like rounding back to uh, getting rid of some baggage in my life and getting back to some old habits, uh, I started watching movies again and that's a lot of the reason why this podcast is back now is that I just like my brain and my attitude is just kind of like finally come back into the fold in a way that i I have the urge to sit and like one consume media, which was an issue uh last year, and two want to sit and even like talk to anybody about this stuff like any of you for really fucking care (laughs) about what I think about this shit but uh so I started compiling for a friend they were talking about their year-end list uh top 10 lists I was like you know what I don't even think I have enough movies that I watched this last year to to put a you know 2022 best of list together and I'm like well why don't I try and and I didn't I'm like oh I actually do have a list of a bunch of movies that I liked and I think you guys may listen to this and go wow man that's that's some real fucking mainstream normie shit (laughs) and that would be justified like for for the most part other than the stuff that we watch here on Astro radio z this last year was all about kind of like comfort food just easy low hanging fruit kind of stuff and i think every once in a while we need to do that for you know our our mental health and um So my list, if it doesn't come off as like indie or obscure as you would like, and as you're listening to it, you can't raise your pinky or thumb your nose up at it. Well, tough shit. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) This is these are the movies that I watched this year. And I thought that um, if you're into these kind of movies, please uh, check them out, because I don't just watch it and watch dirt trash vhs and uh you know obscure horror flicks that's not the only thing that i watch um i think by now most of you guys know that i have a fairly wide range in taste in cinema and uh for my own pleasure this year i watch a lot of normie shit and uh let's just do i have 12 movies here on this list that i'll briefly go through uh, the 10 top 10 and then a few honorable mentions actually how many do i have here one two three four five i have 13 sorry i misspoke there for a second and let's just go down the row here uh the first movie i'll talk about that i thought uh, honestly may have been the best movie that i watched all year was weird the al Yankovic story. Yankovic <laughs> starring daniel radcliffe if you guys have known nothing about this that's probably for the best skip forward about 30 seconds and then uh we'll go to the next movie but uh weird the reason i loved it is because i'm a huge like i i grew up with, with that tape of weird al in 3d and from there, I just grew to love his sense of humor as a kid. And UHF came out and I got it right away. And weird feels like a spiritual successor to something like fucking UHF. It's not serious. It's not true. It's it just a fucking parody of a, you know, a biopic. And I thought it was fucking Spot on. Perfect. I loved I laughed so fucking hard at everything in weird. Um, My number two movie, I would probably say, and I just watched it recently. And if you would have said like, Derek, what would be your probably your favorite movie you'd see in the theater all year? I would have never said this. because I remember seeing the first Avatar way back in the day when it came out in theaters and thinking, oh, you know what? That was real cool to watch in the theater. But man, the movie was kind of poopy. So, you know, the new Avatar, The Way of Water, obviously, is the number two movie I'm talking about here, came out and my daughters on a lark. We decided to watch the movie, the original one on Disney Plus, and they came to me and told me flat out it was the best movie they had ever seen and they want to see the new one. And I was flabbergasted. And I I honestly, the stock in the first movie went up for me upon rewatch. I enjoyed it a lot more And this new one, man, I thought blew the first one completely out of bad pond, completely out of the water. It is, hands down, the better movie. It is gorgeous. Uh, It' Insanely creative with special effects. The 3D is just as breathtaking as it was back in the day for the first Avatar when you saw it. I thought it was going to be a cheap gimmick. It's still head and shoulders above all the rest of the 3D stuff that had come out. The depth of field that is used with the 3D is just unparalleled. And I absolutely loved every flipping fucking second of avatar way of water i recommend it so much to anybody that's even remotely interested in that kind of stuff uh number three was the guardians of the galaxy holiday special i didn't get a guardians of the galaxy 3 this year i have to wait a few more months but uh this will do this was fucking hilarious insanely fucking hilarious i loved every minute of it and it's for free on disney plus if you have disney plus if you consider that free the best horror movie i watched this year and a lot of you gonna slap me in the face but i i have to hate to break it to you i'm not a big shutter horror movie fan just not just not my taste not my cup of tea the vast majority of horror movies that came out this year did nothing for me and i'm looking at x that movie does nothing for me i've seen the texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, my favorite movie was Deadstream. I absolutely fucking had such a great time with Deadstream. I watched it with my partner and a few friends, and we laughed the entire time. If you are into found footage movies and you even have like a smidge of an iota of what streaming culture is like, like Twitch or anything like that, you'll get Deadstream. It's fucking hilarious. I loved every second of it. Uh, my fifth movie, which is kind of a out of left field pick for me, uh, or at least here on the list, was uh, Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, which is a movie about this uh, older lady that hires uh, a sex worker in order to live out some uh, fantasies. And it's just a two. It's Emma. I, I believe who is who's in this Emma Thompson, I believe, is in this. Um, Yep. Emma Thompson. And Daryl McCormick, uh, it's basically just them, the two of them in a room talking about, uh, sex and the perceived notion of sex work and, uh, what sex is like in relationships and how people treat it. And I found it to be incredibly charming and, and heartbreaking. And by the end of it, uh, Lovely. I I dug it. If you're into small, more like uh, play acting films, felt very much like a play. um, Check it out. I think it's on Hulu. That's where I watched it was on Hulu. Good luck to you, Leo Grand. Uh, Number six, the third Clerks movie, which I I would have to say at this point, I might have been my favorite (laughs) of the series. It was a perfect way to end it after the last few movies that um, Smith had put out, Kevin Smith had put out, I was a little hesitant to watch Clerks Three because I thought they were just such on the nose crap that I was so turned off on watching a Clerks Three. But I went with my partner to the Fathom event and I was so happy I did. I absolutely adored it. Clerks Three one of the best Kevin Smith movies that's ever been made. Uh, number seven. Yeah, I'm on number seven, right? Uh, was the sequel to the Predator Prey, which also came out on Hulu. Uh, now I didn't watch the, the version with English dubbing. I watched the Comanche version and I absolutely loved it. I, I think more movies, especially movies such as this, should have less talking. And this movie barely had any, and I loved it. It was pure atmosphere, uh, strong, fierce female lead. Parade is fucking awesome, dudes. Number eight is the do- documentary about guar. This is guar. This movie could have been 20 hours long, and I would have sat captivated all 20 hours. That just shows you what a fucking guar mark I am. And I it uh it made me happy. It made me want to fucking rock. It reminded me of the times I've seen Guar, and it put a tear in my eye for Dave Brocky. And uh, fuck, I loved that movie. Put the extended fucking Crystal Lake Memories version of Guar. This is Guar out so I can watch more, please. Uh, Number nine, which was a huge surprise to me, was uh, The Batman. I thought the Batman was, again, another one of these movies I was not looking forward to. I'm a I'm more of a Marvel mark and I'm really fucking sick of Batman movies, like incredibly fucking sick to death of Batman movies. And this movie was wonderful. I love the style. Uh, Other than the fact that, you know, Robert, Robert Pattinson basically plays emo Batman the entire time I was into it. I I liked how dark it was i liked the 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 score other than i i'm so sick of repurposing 90s songs and making them super duper slow that fucking nirvana song is the worst part of that whole movie i wish they would have got rid of it it's so fucking on the nose and cheesy i hate that shit uh but the batman was awesome another movie that was super long that just flew the fuck by i didn't even realize it was over like what was it like two or three hours goddamn i didn't even realize And the last one, number 10, Thor, Love and uh, Love and Thunder. And a lot of people really fucking dogged that movie when it came out. And I didn't understand why. Another one of those movies where I walked in the theater and laughed and had a great time and uh, just more proof to me that, you know what, you make up your own fucking mind on shit. If it looks like something that appeals to you, go see it and fuck everybody else because you might just fucking like it. Just like this. You're listening to my podcast. I'm just giving you my opinion. I'm not telling you that it's Stone Cold fact. Unless we're talking about the Evil Dead remake, then that's Stone Cold fact. It's a piece of shit. But Thor Love and and Thunder. Why can't I say that name? I don't know. I loved it. It was a fucking riot. If you liked Ragnarok, I would say, you know, Love and Thunder is way funnier. Than Ragnarok. I think if you go back, I rewatched Ragnarok after watching Love and Thunder, thinking, you know what, that one was way funnier. We should watch that one. And watching it again, it was like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't nearly as funny. So that was that was my top ten. Few honorable mentions. Of course, I love the fucking second Doctor Strange movie. Sam Raimi nailed it out of the park. Tons of Sam Raiminess all over that motherfucker. Um, I loved the new Hellraiser remake. A lot of people are dogging that thing. I thought the Cenobite uh, fucking costumes were spot on and amazing. And I thought the tone of it was fucking rad. I loved some of the sequences. I didn't mind the characters. Honestly, I'm going to watch it again. If they make a sequel to this one, I'll be fucking happy. Take that for what you want. And my then my last honorable mention will be the newest Dario Argento movie Dark Glasses. Is it perfect? No. But it is flat out the best Dario Argento movie that has come out since I would say Sleepless. It's that fucking good. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I highly recommend it in Sun Shutter, if I believe. So those were my top 10 movies of the year. Let's go to there was a few. I, I know I had said something about I wanted to, like, tell you guys a few records that I was into as well um, this year. Let me look this up. There was a few records and you've been hearing this Astro Radio Z on a whole is an excuse for me to sit and talk about rad movies and just play some music for you that I'm really into. That's I mean, most of the musical interludes you find here on Astro Radio Z is just music that I'm listening to currently that I super fucking dig. And a lot of the stuff that I that I uh, really dig, I played here on the on the show for you. Obviously, you know, I'll I'll list off my my top 10 here that I had for the year. My my number one, a friend of mine recommended a band called Holy Fawn. Uh, Their album Dimensional Bleed. If you're into kind of black gaze stuff like Death Heaven or Alcest, I totally recommend Holy Fawn. Uh, My otherwise the entire year, the album I listened to the most. Number two was Zealand Ardor's self-titled record. If you know anything about the Swedish act, Zeal and Ardor, fuck, this is the best thing that he's done yet. Absolutely amazing mixture of hip hop, spiritual uh, music and black metal. It's fucking on fire. And I've listened to this record. It's been out for a while now, more than anything else it's in constant rotation. So obviously, Zeal and Art is self-titled. Please go get that. The, the shocker of the year, there's two shockers this year for me that I wasn't so sure I was going to get into, but um, I ended up adoring Alexis on Fire, their new record Otherness. Jesus fucking Christ, that album just took me and slapped me across the face, and I absolutely adored it. It was almost like Alexis on fire all of a sudden decided and discovered that they loved Clutch. Like, where the fuck did this come from? I loved it. Of course, the second one, which I played a song here today on this episode, the new Coheed in Cambria, uh, Vaxis 2, A Window of the Waking Mind. That new album. I've never been a huge Coheed fan. It never clicked with me. I've had friends try like Derek. I don't understand why you don't like Coheed. All the music you love is basically Coheed. <laughs> it, uh, for some reason, it just never clicked with me, but this album did. It absolutely did. And then made me take, my, you know, rethink my stance on Coheed and Cambria and I've gone back. And yes, I I'm a huge fan now. So uh those two records are the biggest shockers for me. Obviously, the new Ghost was fucking amazing. You've heard I've played the new Savage Master fucking record here on Astro Radio Z, those who hunt at night, fucking those two records. You knew they were going to be awesome they were fucking awesome. Um, Wormrot, I think last episode I played a song off of uh, their new album, Hiss. Please go check that one out. Uh, Russian Circle's new record, Gnosis, absolutely fucking amazing. And then Behemoth's new record. Goddamn. I'm not going to try and pronounce that title. I'll fucking slaughter it. Let's just say, just type in Behemoth, 2022 and you'll get the new record i i don't want to i don't want to embarrass myself i'm already embarrassing myself by not fucking saying anything about the title or trying or attempting but i absolutely i loved i uh, loved that album uh soul blind was another one i really dug their album feel it around was a, like a heavier shoegazier version of like silver chair i was fucking thrown by that record because at first i'm like what does silver chair put a new record out like a good silver chair I love that record. My bud, Eric, who you guys have, you know, heard him on the podcast in the past. His band Northless put out such an amazing record this year. A Path Beyond Grief. Please go pick that up. Please pick up all of these. And last but not least, the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs put out a new record, and it was fucking great. Cool it down. Go check that one out. So that's what I got this year for best of. I hope you guys, you know, took a second. Listen to that. Go uh, You know, type into the Google's. And uh, check out some rad shit. If you had some stuff that you really liked that you'd like to recommend me, please, by all means, contact me at astroradiozpodcast at gmail.com and let me know It's say, Derek, here's my top 10 list of albums or here's my top 10 list of movies or TV shows or whatever. Send me that list there or go over to my new Instagram account, astroradioz on Instagram, where I'm, you know, posting pictures of the movies that we're watching and in other various nonsense there and keep up to date and go over there and send me a DM there. Slide into my DMs at the Astro Radio Z Instagram account. So many. Oh, one more way you could get a hold of me on my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Astro Radio Z. Come over there. Subscribe for the low, low price of three dollars a month. You can get my other podcast worst movies ever. That's it. All the shilling I'm going to be doing for this episode Thank you guys for another great time here on Astro Radio Z The next movies we're going to be covering As we continue to pick and choose VHS off of my shelves The first movie will be a William Friedkin movie I'd never heard of before called Python Wolf And then, oh my god guys, an erotic comedy I warned you this was going to come into the fold called Silk and Sabotage, a film about sex drives, hard drives, and other inter-office activities. Those are the VHS movies we're going to be talking about on episode 160 of Astro Radio Z. Can you believe we're already at 160 here on Astro Radio Z? Unbelievable. I'm hoping by the end of this year we can hit episode 200. Can you guys help me make that happen? Help me make that happen. Pass along Astro Radio Z to your friends. Go give us ratings on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and all the fucking gimmicks. Do it. Until then, hey, thank you for sticking around with me. And I hope you guys have a great New Year. I'll talk to you soon. Astro Radio Z was recorded, performed, and edited by Derek Carey, executive produced by Vaughn Comier and Shannon Smith. The music played here on this episode, which you can find anywhere. And please, I encourage you to go purchase this music was High viz Voices, and Coheed and Cambria, Beautiful Losers. Oh, that's good shit, man.